You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Our talk, we are live, boys. Are, are, are you going to play our theme song? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are you going uh, to play gonna, our theme song? Or I thought you were going to give the rundown like you normally do. No. no. And then, nope. no, okay. That was the pregame banner right there. Without further ado. Play the fight song, Clint. Everybody, welcome to 3DM's podcast. This is episode 13. Uh, the cursed episode. Yeah, the cursed episode. How's everybody doing this week? Great. Fantastic. I'm actually here. Oh, yeah. I'm having a great week. Finally going back to college. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm applying for another college like an idiot. <laughs> okay. So we've got a pretty stacked show today. So we're just going to hop into it. Uh, first things first, we are recording out of the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak. If you ever want to start your own podcast, get a hold of Podcast Detroit. If you're in the South, you know, Southeastern Michigan area, Eastern Michigan, Eastern uh, Michigan area. It's about schmear. About schmear. It's super easy to do. My brain went immediately to Mr. Meeseeks when you said that. I hate myself. Yeah. Okay. Let's. But podcast Detroit. If you want to start your own podcast, yes. it's super cheap. Great studios. A lot of fun. Very easy. They help a lot. Yep. All right. Um, and also, let's plug our giveaway because once our Facebook page gets to 500 likes, the 3 DM spot. 500. 500. We're two. We're almost two fifths of the way there. Yeah. Almost. Oh, yeah. Once we get to 500 likes on the Facebook page, we are going to randomly give away two books to two people who have liked the page. So um, any any D&D 5e book of your choice, just as long as it's not a special edition. So go ahead and go like our page, uh, share our page, let people know that we're doing this giveaway, we're trying to grow our page, help us out. So. Word to the streets. Without further ado. Yeah, without further ado, we've got a pretty stacked list of things to talk about. So <clears throat> first things first. We're just going to talk about Critical Role really quick. Just get that out of the way. Um, no one in this room watches Critical Role except I, for me. Look, I play, I play a role-playing game every single night of the week. <laughs> like I don't have time to watch war, more role-playing games in Un- addition to the other stuff in my life. I'm gonna, uh, I need a new podcast, so I'll get into it. Unfortunately, the only thing that I know about season one was the uh, the video that Matthew Colville did about the end of season one, which I won't – I won't throw out spoilers for anybody that's tuning in and wants to tune into that. I will be doing a backlog. He has at well after after you finish it up, or if you've already finished it up, I would highly suggest checking out that video. He like he breaks down a big big thing that like I I don't know. I probably wouldn't have thought about it. I Hmm. thought it was a really really cool. Uh, take an interpretation on the way that the show came to an end. Well, Matt Colville does got a real big brain, though. So, <laughs> yes, he does. Um, Expand the brain. The show's senpai. Yeah. So, talking about season two, though, uh, I watched the first episode of season two. Uh, caught it yesterday. Spent some nice couch time with my dog. Good Lucy. You said the party was not well balanced. 
Um, no, the party's got a pretty inter- – so, okay. They've I, got a monk. I have a hurt, hot take on this, but go on. All right. Well, really quick though. <laughs> yeah, let's, um, let's, let's recap. I feel like our party. show is full of hot takes. Oh, yeah. It's nothing but hot <laughs> takes. That's the point. Eh, some of them so are they have a monk. More. Listen. All right. So really quick before we launch into this, um, if you're waiting to watch the official like YouTube release of it on Monday, uh, turn off the volume for a bit. Yeah. Give, give us like 30 seconds. Um, just two, minutes, for, two minutes. Just look for the wacky hand gestures like this and then you're good to come back. We'll wave. Um, if you're live. Yes, we yeah. will cue you. If you're on the podcast, just – Minor right. spoiler alert. Hop, hop to it. Anyways. So they got a monk. They've got a Hexblade Warlock. They've got a Transmutation Wizard. They've got a five charisma having uh, rogue, goblin rogue. There is uh, the – What? Okay, yeah, hold, a goblin hold. player character. Yeah, goblin player character. I was more saying that about a plus five to charisma. No, 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 no. Only five. Like an actual five. Oh, five. Like oh. a negative three. I thought you five. were talking <laughs> bonus. No. Yeah. Although they did use – they did use uh, roll 46 keep three is what I'm assuming they use because – like some of them got 19s for stats and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, a bunch of 16s and like an 18. So they got pretty good stat lines. That's why we um, like point We got a barbarian in the mix, human barbarian. Um, tiefling cleric. I'm not going to say who's playing who. And uh, tiefling blood hunter, which is the class yeah. that just got added to the DD Beyond. <laughs> Excuse me. Which we'll be talking about shortly here. Apologies. Um, we should probably get to the arm waving thing, or at least to the spoilers, so uh, we can get her. Well, no. So, back. you know, episode was fun, cheeky fun. Got new characters introduced, uh, but the one thing that really does crack me up about this party is nobody except for the barbarian has a strength score over twelve. Team Noodle Arms. Um, I really just, I really want to see Matt Mercer because also the person who plays the barbarian, Ashley Johnson, is. Um, not always on the show, so I just am really waiting for the day. Yeah, where what what show is she in? Like, what does she act on again? I can't remember, but it's it's some TV show on NBC. Look, we wasted oh. all of our we used, yeah, wasted anyways, all of our useful over. space with yeah. with information about random Dungeons and Dragons facts. So, for those of you that are joining back on SoundCloud and finding this episode in retrospect, go back to where's the oh we can't see the timestamp. No, okay. So I, I want to get my hot take out of the way before we get any further. Is um. The idea of a party as a wizard, a cleric, a rogue, and a fighter is outdated and doesn't understand what Dungeons & Dragons is like anymore. That worked in first edition. But in this edition, it's not particularly a useful indication. Oh, no. I'm just waiting for the fact that they literally don't have anybody. Like, if there's a door, just like a really stuck door, oh, yeah, they're no. not going to be able to open it. Uh, or I could just summon an army of angels. Guys, uh, Ellen Schoenlau on the comments is saying that, yeah, this party has a definite blind spot. Yeah. And yeah, that that is doors, heavy yes. doors. Uh, anything yes. that there's a boulder in the path, like <laughs> there's a large couch wedged into the middle of this living room. <laughs> you have to move this couch out of the apartment. <laughs> uh, it's oh, it's magic proof. Are too weak. It yeah. just it just reminds me of this picture that I saw. It was a rework of an old D and D module, and it was like a a party pointing at a mountain, and the uh, title. And I know I'm gonna I'm gonna waste it here. Uh, the title of it was. How much do you want to bet we have to fight that fucking rock? <laughs> so if that's the case, um, they're probably going to be in bad shape. Oh, beg your pardon. Alan, Alan conf- uh, uh, confirms that uh, that's the show that Ashley from uh, Critical Role is actually on. Oh, okay. But yes, the party does have a blind spot. <laughs> yeah, strength. <laughs> Masses. Masses. Okay, the well, that's but, um, but in all seriousness, guys, this is the cursed 13th episode. What else has curses? Um. 
not quite there yet. Dang. We got one more. We got Sorry, one that more. Was, Damn. That was a beautiful segue. That was an awesome segue. I know. We'll, we'll use it again later. Just hold on. We'll to edit it. that out. Dave, edit that out. <laughs> I need you to hold on to that. That was such a good segue. I'm I know. So proud I, of that for a I know. I, I, but anyway. I, my bet it felt really good. Really quick, the other thing in our little roundup of actual play uh, material is the Adventure Zone is going weekly while they're trying to figure out what story they want to do next. Uh, they just did episode zero for their uh, – uh, they're, what game are they their playing? Their Mothman-themed game. They're, well, yeah, they're playing uh, – the game's called uh, Monster of the Week. It's a D20-based system. Oh, yes. I've and they uh, – yeah, they're set up in a spooky-dooky little skiing town in West Virginia. And it's it's going to be – I thought the Mothman was in like Vermont or something. Oh, no. Well, it's in okay. West Virginia. Oh, is it? Mothman feelings, yeah. I feel like this I'll is not a time to debate Mothman okay. origins. I've heard about the Mothman. I just – Oh, I, I'll tell you some more. Anyway, okay. Jakey. I'm really excited. Uh, really excited <laughs> for that though. It's going to yes, be – come on. It's great. I'm also just excited too. I get Adventure Zone every week. Oh yeah. Uh, but we're gonna see how that all that shakes out. But that's you know, in case you didn't know. Um, now we're just gonna drag and drop. Uh, oh, here I'll set you up again. You can you can use it again, Paul. Yeah. So pun? that was a great. Uh, yeah. No, they're working out of a cursed small little West Virginia town. And we're talking Gee, about that on the. I wonder episode. what else has curses. Perhaps curses to do with blood. Blood curses. The Mothman does love blood. The Blood Hunter. The Blood. Hunter. Yes, the Blood Hunter has curses. You heard it here first, or you probably heard it somewhere else because, well, now, it's been out for a little while. Okay, now just by name, the Blood Hunter invokes like vampires and stuff, and that's considered to be a curse of the undead. Okay, well, I, as the is person who like actually, the person who's actually read this thing cover to cover, <laughs> along with Jake, is the Blood Hunter is not so much. I mean, they hunt vampires in the same sense that they hunt all undead. Oh, okay, but they're most they um, they're very reminiscent of the Witcher. And also, to a lesser extent, um, in Dragon Age, the Grey Wardens, and that they've sort of become a monster in order to hunt other monsters. Yeah. So, really quick, before we dive deep into the heart of the Blood Hunter, um, let's talk about let's talk about the background behind it just a little bit, really quick. Because, um, so it's really interesting. Um, I think this actually has to do a lot too with uh, Critical Role being sponsored by D and D Beyond. Yeah. Uh, it's actually is, on their front page right now if you want to go grab it. Yeah. It's uh, according to uh, – yeah, according to D&D Beyond, like they've tacked this on as an official class basically. D&D Beyond is the official companion app slash website for Dungeons and & Dragons and D&D Beyond is also a sponsor of Critical Role and Matt Mercer, the DM in Critical Role, made The Blood Hunter. So – for right now, I'm going to consider Blood Hunter as an official class because if it's on the official companion app slash website, if it for quacks D&D, like a duck, it, it talks like a duck. It's probably it hunts a goose. demons like a duck. <laughs> probably a goose or a swan. Yeah, swan I was going to say if it hunts demons, it's then by being a demon, it's definitely a goose. <laughs> no, if it is a demon, then it's a look. Goose no, that's for swans. Sure. Okay, swans, swans, are, swans, are swans. Yeah, but only if you're mean to them. No, no, so, I. <laughs> No, they're just jerks. Okay, tell that tell that to my cousin, who I hope that he well, for no, it's, some reason tunes tall, into the show that got swan dived, literally into the best night of your life. He was no, he was riding a jet ski on the lake and like it was yeah, literally riding a jet diving. Ski means him. You're being an asshole. No, okay. like okay. no, no, we were in the we, middle we, of the we lake. Got, we got to stop this. Anyway. <laughs> we're getting off topic. Swan takes much later. Thanks, Jake. We'll fight about swans later. All right, this is about the blood hunter. Sam, <laughs> we have to fight swans. So, guys, um, blood hunter. Was originally available on the DMs Guild. Uh, it was made by Matt Mercer. You could buy it for a really, really low price. And now it is, after 
eight revisions or something. I guess it's officially a class. So, Paul, you did the heavy reading. Yes. I sat down and I read this for like an hour and I reviewed it compared it to the uh, Player's Handbook classes. Before we dive into deep, and that actually segues into the question that I was just about to ask to you, being the one that did the heavy reading. Since we were talking about they hunt down the undead, how much different is it at the base of that than, say, a cleric who, obviously, uh, clerics have... Grave a, domain. Like, disdain for the undead. Well, to make Gra- a long story short, clerics, like a um, they are better fighters than clerics are, which is a nice change from, oh, look out, it's Godzilla. He's going to turn into a monster and wreck your face. Uh, for all the crap I've given you guys about um, Bloodhunter's, I guess, glitches would be the best to describe it because it's not intended to act this way, but it does. Yeah, you had some hot takes in the car. Um, the Bloodhunter is a, definitely a passable fighting class. It's... It's definitely a fighting class. It's got D10 hit dice. It's got extra attacks. It's got decent uh, proficiencies. It's even got extra damage. It's much better at fighting than a cleric is and a much less utility class than the cleric is. Okay. So let's talk about fluff. Let's talk about flavor because uh, this one does have some pretty unique stuff. Like Paul mentioned, this is basically The Witcher, which Matt Mercer is a known – like I don't know if there's a – Fan name for the community of the Witcher, but the Witchest, yeah, but yeah, he's just super huge into <laughs> the Witcher, yeah, into the Witcher books and games. Um, and this also, you know, ba- invokes the Grey Warden a little bit from Dragon Age. Basically, anybody who drinks a potion to become a little bit different and you know might die. Doc Spawn senses tingling. Yep. Yeah, uh, Paul said like Jekyll and Hyde kind of stuff. You yes. know, yeah, it's it's got a bit of that in one of the in probably their best subclass actually, but yeah. I like it a lot. So. Um, gone let's talk about the fluff and flavor so the main shtick of the blood hunter is they drink a foul potion might kill them uh which would be a really funny way to just end <laughs> character cre- yeah this is my oh character. this is traveler character creation isn't that rather oh, like deadpool oh, he, he uh you know is experimented on but that could be considered a foul potion i guess the difference the difference there would just be like this is just a one-time drink the potion and if you live then you, <laughs> you, if you live power. you're a blood hunter whereas right, deadpool exactly. went through like months worth of okay torture. fine excuse me clint i've only okay. seen the movie and I was trying but, to make this relatable with my limited knowledge. Yes. We're not talking no, no, about no, it's, it, we're gonna, it's a okay. good parallel. This is comic books. We're going on to tabletop games. But anyway, yeah, you drink a foul potion and you get powers. Yes. This, okay, the best way I can describe this and I'm being um, perhaps a bit disingenuous so please bear with me. This is to the balls. fighter as the warlock is to the wizard. Okay. Like, they didn't they haven't trained for years and years. They're not like the scion of a family legacy. They just – they drank this potion and they really, really hate undead and demons so much. Oh, they, hate, they hate them. They just – they want to ax them. They want to ax them a question. Slice them. So, yeah, you become part of this order of blood hunters uh, and they basically – are the thing that, you know, whatever bumps in the night, they bump back is basically their fluff long and short. Kind of reminds me of the Demon Hunter in Diablo 3, actually. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're kind of like the Demon Hunter from Diablo 3 a little bit. Uh, but obviously the Witcher comparison is very strong here because the Witcher, you know, his whole job is I go to small town. I find out what monsters live in the woods. I kill I the monsters. Uh, I go back into town. If This is like strictly Witcher here. I go back into town. I have sex with everything because Do, that's the Witcher Does this have a high games. charisma? No. Okay, so yeah, maybe that's my not problem. So, yeah, no, this that's one of my problems with this class. It's very multi-attribute dependent. Um, but yeah, let's we'll get dive, to that. Let's dive into mechanics, though. So, At its core, it's a Witcher. Um, and it's so behavior. This class can't, has can't some interesting fluff things, but it falls. 
kind of flat on the mechanical interpretation. I I hate saying this because clearly a lot of work is put into this and I greatly appreciate that this class is not overpowered by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually a little underpowered. It's quite underpowered. It's worse than the ranger. Yeah, you're hating on it big. Bold. Um, so <sighs> my multiple problems this class are, it's got, okay, first of all, let's talk about the good things. It's got decent proficiencies. It's got excellent hit dice. Uh, it's got extra damage to melee combat. It's even got the extra attack features and so on and so forth. It doesn't have any delayed uh, ability score improvements. It's it's good. But that's a double-edged sword. Didn't you say it can only have light armor? I can have light or medium, medium armor. Okay. Which the problem is that most magical armor is full plate armor. Because why settle right. for anything less when you're going to put like your soul into a seat of some armor. You're going to put it right. into like a, a slightly reinforced wooden shirt, like a woolen shirt. A thing with like wooden shingles. Yeah. Straight or are you going to put it into style? a suit of plated armor? Right. Like so, yeah. So, unless you find a good blacksmith or some masterwork or yeah. something magic that's that your DM might throw you a bone for. Urist McBlacksmith has created a legendary item. <laughs> Sorry, that's a joke. That's a more obscure joke. The problem I have is that okay, their saving throws are excellent. They have strength and wisdom. Wis- strength is actually the most used of the non. Uh, Core four, the reflex, dexterity, uh, reflex, uh, will, and uh, constitution saves. The re- reflex, will, and fortitude is strength because strength prevents being knocked down, and you use it a lot in actual combat. And they've got wisdom, which is the one that prevent that um, prevents you from getting into a fight. <laughs> well, the thing is, the wisdom saves like or the, literally going out of your mind. The dexterity saves are going to hurt you a lot. The, the wisdom save is going to turn you into a willing slave of whoever cast the spell on you. Yeah. Um, their skills are not bad, but they're not good either. Right. You said you only get four or you six? Get you get two skills yeah, out, out of six. six. Yeah, you can pick two out of six. And they're not particularly good skills Ugh. because investigation is something you're not likely to have a lot of points in because you don't have the intelligence. Yeah, you're not a dang rogue. Although, to be fair, like, everybody has terrible skills compared to the rogue or the bard. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't barbarians get perception? Maybe? I can't remember. Somebody somebody, correct me. Um, See, I always take a back. Decent starting kit. Uh... Their big first-level ability, yeah. other than the divine sense of the paladin, is they can do the Crimson Rite, which gives them extra damage dice on their weapon attacks. That sounds cool. I'm pretty sure that's a ballet. The problem is it reduces your maximum hit points for as long as the rite is active. Ah, there it by is. By amount equal to your level. Ooh. Yeah. You didn't say that earlier. That's dreadful. It's actually not that bad because at first level it's only one. And second level is only two and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah but. Um, that being said, <laughs> you already – OK. So you need strength. You need dexterity because you're only in medium armor or you're using a bow. You need constitution. You need either – you probably need wisdom because all your abilities key off wisdom. And you're going to need either intelligence or charisma to use half your skills. So you're using all your skills but one. This is the problem Monk had in third edition. Well, I mean the obvious answer is just don't suck. Yeah. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Sucks to suck. Yeah, yeah exactly. From, from, oh. ju- just from the start, it sounds like this has a pretty high learning curve. Uh, this is not there. a class I'd recommend for a beginner. I, I feel there's a lot of people who could make this work. Um, that being said, the Crimson Rite's main problem is that the damage it does is worse than the Hunter's Mark until sixth level, which is the, my real comparison for this is worse Ranger, is you can sacrifice maximum hit points to do worse damage than a Ranger does. Yeah, it only gets better than a Ranger at, what, ninth level? Um, and? By the point that wizards are flame-spewing gods of destruction. Yeah. Well, it does. You can change the damage type. Uh, by the end, you basically have access to all the damage types. So you can, um, you know. Actually, you can get around resistances that way. That's a useful benefit. But I just, I feel it's not worth it. Like, 
Okay, so let's talk about the subclasses here, though, because there are... uh... Yeah, so blood curses, ooh, you get to cast one spell once a day. One. Nice. And and spell. Okay, so the subclasses, you've got the the Order of the Ghost Slayer, which is interesting. Sounds awesome. Uh, It lets you hunt down undead and ghosts. It lets you hit for radiant damage, which is interesting because radiant damage is a fairly unique damage type for low level. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds Um, cleric only. Uh, Supernal Strike is arguably the best ability in the Blood Hunter in that it gets lets you make attacks as a bonus action and turn incorporeal, which is pretty good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you just said that it would let you turn incorporeal. It lets you turn incorporeal, but you can't end your turn inside an object. So you can run through walls as long as you don't end your turn in a wall. That's it's, good. It's- it's a, it's a good ability. Okay, it's like a one-turn gaseous form, yeah. Yeah. Basically. The problem is that the seventh level ability, Hollowed Veins, um, I call this the water-breathing mermaid problem in that it it implies that there's a restriction that there actually isn't. So you think, is there a restriction on this that I haven't noticed? Uh, you can't – apparently it claims that you can use your blood curses to affect creatures without blood. But blood curses say nothing about needing blood to affect a creature. <laughs> so are, are – was that taken out during development? Where I can only imagine so. Um, Gravesite, yeah, you can see they're invisible. You can see their magical darks invisible. Divination wizards get that seventh level. <laughs> Any wizard gets whatever at yeah. seventh level. Uh, the Order of the Lycan is interesting because it's a hell of a beat stick. Yeah, I do love the Order of the Lycan. Um, As in, in like the epiphyte fungus and chlorophyll thing that grows on the edge of trees. L-Y-C-A-N. Oh, okay, never mind. People turn it into oh, wolves. Oh, like a werewolf. Talent. Okay, I thought you meant like – Mosses and lichens. No, no. It, it lets you <laughs> Got turn, real excited there. Get out of here with your geology. It lets you turn into it's a, a sort plant. of a plant. It's not a geology. A hybrid creature. Like a hybrid creature that okay. lets you beat the heck out of things. Hell yeah. And I mean it lets you use the lycanthropy rules in the monster manual. Uh, it replaces the lycanthropy rules in the monster manual. So you can turn into uh, what sort of animals? Just wolves? Uh, it just says lycanthropic curse. Yeah. It, yeah. So okay. Implies just wolves. but Well, well no. It, anything that uh, is a lichen, technically. Yeah, so, yeah. so check the monster manual. Uh, yeah. I want to be a werebear. Werebear, were-tiger, were-rat, were-boar, were-wolf. Hell yeah. Okay, the good thing about the feature, though, is you get a bonus to your melee damage rolls equal to half your proficiency, which is pretty good, all told. Like, it's not bad. Uh, you get resilient hide, which is you you have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing like the barbarian, as long as the weapons aren't magical or silvered. Okay. Uh, you also get plus one AC as long as you're not wearing armor. Um, Which you might as well not be if you can only wear medium armor. Also, your unarmed strikes are a weapon that does decent damage, like monk-like damage. Well, huh? transformation. Form. These hands are licensed to do uh, <laughs> not non-lethal damage. Maybe, maybe lethal damage. And the real kicker is, if you take any damage, you have to make a saving throw, and if you fail it, you have to attack the nearest target, even if that's one of your allies. Ugh. Hacha, you know. See, what I'm Everybody <laughs> stay away from that guy. Yeah, don't don't get any reach weapons. Now what I love what I do love about you move towards them and attack the Blood them Hunter. Oh jeez. JK. What I do love about the Blood Hunter is like you can definitely see the utility of this class in a high role playing party. Oh yeah. Like where role playing is king and not necessarily encounter. Yeah. Um because obviously the last thing that Paul just said could make combat an absolute nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could easily TPK Feather your him. own ass. Yeah. Feather him with arrows. He just took like 13 attacks. So he's going to make 13. No, it's actually – it's equal to the amount of damage you've taken but mm. divided by two, which is still pretty ruinous. You take 13 arrows like, hey, make a DC 26 save or attack your wizard. All right. So what's the next subclass? Uh, the next subclass is yeah, easily certainly a the best sword. one, or at least in my opinion, is the Order of the Mutant. Yes. Which allows you to drink – 
mutagenic potions and become Mr. Hyde to your previous Jekyll. And you get a whole bunch of miscellaneous abilities that you can drink potions of to last until you take your next rest. And they've got interesting abilities. Every single one of them has an upside and a downside. And I think it's pretty balanced. I like this one the best. In fact, if assuming it was the only one allowed, I would definitely say, yeah, go ahead and play a Bloodhunter mutagen. We we just got another comment from Alan, the same person that – Clarified yeah. which show Ashley was on and uh, is asking, uh, are there any classes that would work well with it if you multiclassed it? We talked about this a We did bit. talk about it. You need two levels of fighter first is my breast bed. Is because you and want by to- we talked about it, we mean in the car, not on the show. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. We, um, so we said two levels of fighter to get your action surge and to get your heavy armor proficiency. Yeah. Arguably – a level of paladin wouldn't hurt either for the smites. Mm-hmm. As uh, always, a level of paladin or two levels of paladin, uh, just to get your smites and uh, a lay on hands and a couple other neat little things. But one of those two would do very well, depending on where you wanted to go with it. Uh, one of the beauties of doing a little dip like that with Blood Hunter is there is no level twenty ability. There is a level twenty ability, it's just not very good. I, I thought you said there's only a level. The thing is, ability. it's hidden on another page, all on its own. Oh, okay. So, well, I was gonna say, like, it's not that. It's not a very great. good ability. I would recommend taking a second class. So, couple levels. Uh, just sitting strictly on, uh, like a level one to twenty blood hunter isn't going to be the best damn thing ever. I also think that if you were going for like a really interesting wild build, because the very last. Uh, option here for a subclass with the blood hunter is called the profane soul and that basically just tacks on warlock spell casting to what the blood hunter already has okay. the best kind of spell now, casting. now to be a debbie downer it's very mediocre i was gonna say but casting. isn't it a lot mediocre isn't it a lot lower than what warlocks can actually you do? get one spell slot into level six and the most spell slots get... you get oh that's no reno do you at least get elders blast Oh yeah, of course. You get you get cantrips. Yay. Yeah. Although then again, one level of warlock. Sorry, I believe we had this discussion. Is two levels of warlock will be the same to you as eleven levels of the profane soul. Yeah, which is hardly mm. a ringing endorsement. I guess the under I guess the underlying theme in to <clears throat> get back and actually like directly answer the question is it goes back to the whole learning curve thing. This is not a class that we would recommend going from one to twenty on or. A, a beginner. This is probably something that somebody with a decent understanding of the game would be interested in doing. There are excellent role playing choices. If you go two levels and something else, you can have your character dedicate themselves to the Blood Hunters as a character choice. So. You get like, yeah, I would absolutely adore to DM a session where like a, a very low level fighter or paladin of mine. Or even a rogue or somebody decided to take up Blood Hunter as their class, and then we get to go through the ceremony. Yeah, see, like, like, and that'd it, be fun. That's Part actually a comment that Part I was ju- that I was Part just about to make. This is this, this, something like this is a perfect opportunity to throw that fluff and that flavor in there as a DM. Oh, it's well, um, it's very exactly. well and fluff. Let, let yeah, your you, players do the legwork. You, you start off at, like Perhaps me. Me personally, what I would do is I would say that this isn't something that I would necessarily suggest players start with. I would say, yeah, start if you want to be a fighter. Start off as a fighter and then present that fighter with the option of taking this potion and Delicious potion. then they go oh, through no, that ceremony and figuring out if they live or die. Yeah, it's sort of – um, what's the word? It's a uh, trial by fire. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll try Absolutely. my foul potion, which, uh, so, which I hope you've you've all been understanding. I'm spelling F O W L E. Foul potion. So we still got a lot more stuff to talk yeah. about today. Yeah, we've um, we've got a lot to a get. Pretty through. big show. So let's final thoughts on Blood Hunter. I very much appreciate that he did not make it overpowered. Thank you. Uh, that said, I think that it needs more to draw a player to it. Yeah, it feels I feels like it gives up too much. I can it. agree with that. Like it, it feels like the flavor in place. Uh, it makes me think a lot of Warlock in that it's it's trying to do where Warlock does spell casting in a way that's non-traditional. Like Warlock is that one cool guy with a leather jacket and a cigarette who shows up to the war uh, to the wizard sorcerer did druid you, and cleric party. Did you just basically call the warlock like the fonz of the spell? No, 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 no. He's uh, he's he's the cool one. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's John Bender or whatever from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> All right, yeah, you know the breakfast. Like if we're gonna break down yeah. the rest of the Breakfast Club, yep. In the other. <laughs> Uh, oh shit! What was that guy's name? What was the actor's name? I'm drawing a blank on it. I should know this. Well, it's fine. I've there's a hallmark here in the Bender House. You know what I got? For I'm sure we'll get notified in the comments if you guys know. Comment on it. But, uh, but regardless, aside, so that's my thoughts on the I, Hunter. Yeah, I feel it's trying like it's, it's tr- trying to do what the Warlock does. Judd Nelson. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's a good mixer. This it, class. It's trying to do what Warlock does. For spellcasting, and it's really close to pulling it off. I think it just needs, like, I don't even have really an answer for it, but it just needs a little something else to really push it up into that echelon uh, with fighter, paladin, and monk. You just need something that draws you to it, really. Because this is a primary frontline fighting class, and it does things differently, but it's just not like paladin, fighter, Mm. monk, which are all very useful. It, yeah, I, I do actually have to agree with Paul. It does kind of fall back to Ranger territory in terms of in-game stuff. But the fluff is gold. It's yeah, the actual role-playing. Helen, where do you stand on it? I know that I know you're a big fan when it comes to tabletop gaming of the role-playing aspect. So where, where do you stand on this? Exactly. I think if you're big into role-playing, and like Jake said, you can sort of present this as a choice to a player if you're a DM. Uh, again, I think this is for mix, this is mixer only. It's sort of prestige class then for those who are. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is actually something I was going to say. It's it's one of these rare times where I'm just like this. This should have been a prestige like, class. Like this should have been a prestige class. But at the same – like that's a whole other debate. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not those should exist. That could be a whole other like, episode. There are days where I miss them and then there are days where I'm like I'm glad they're gone. Yeah. Hold on. Let me be a planar shepherd which is literally just better druid. <laughs> you know, the tier one class. <laughs> All right. So – um, Blood Hunter, the newest official class. If I may throw my my, course, my last my last take on this, oh. uh, I'm I'm I may sound like a broken record, but I'm kind of along the same lines. This is something that like if you're a role play heavy player, uh, and you're playing in a role play heavy game, play this. It's awesome. This would be cool. It will not disappoint as far as flavor goes. Um, but. If you are going to be doing a decent amount of combat, I totally agree with basically everybody else at the table. This is something that like two fighter, two levels in fighter would benefit from. And me having one of my big weaknesses being uh, synergy between multi-classing. This is not something that me personally would play in a game. Um, that's just something that I struggle with. It's something that I'm actually really trying to work on and thinking about synergy between classes. Yeah. Um, 
but that obviously takes a lot of time. I would not recommend this to somebody that is just playing the game for this the first is, time. This is definitely a class for advanced players. But if you're coming up with like this kick-ass backstory that involves like hunting down ghosts and demons and stuff. Yeah, take yes. this over Paladin if you're not planning to dedicate yourself to an oath. But I think we've said enough on this point. Yep. Yeah. So we've got a – we've also got a trio of subclasses that were released as Unearthed Arcana this week. Um, but before we go into that, uh, we'd like to remind uh, – Everybody watching, everybody new who's tuning in, uh, we are the 3DMs Podcast. We are doing a giveaway once our Facebook page gets to 500 likes. We are going to give away two D&D books to two people who like the uh, – you know, one book to a person who likes the page basically. Yep. Um, you know, giving away two books, so two lucky winners overall. So head to our Facebook page, 3DMs Podcast. Give us a like and – once we hit 500, we're going to go through. We're going to – I think we'll make a cute little video. I think I want to try to make a comically annoying D500 and roll it. That sounds rough. Or just use a just use a number I generator. But I think that's a bowling ball. <laughs> yeah, probably. You just have to like shave off parts well, no, which, of a bowling ball and put numbers a, in. Get the like vacuum ping pong ball thingy like on oh. Powerball. Oh, that's gross. Oh, but but no. great at the same time. But yeah, when we get to 500 likes, we're going to give away two books. So if you enjoy the content, if you want to potentially win a book, head over to our Facebook page, 3DM's Podcast, throw us a like. And once we hit 500, we're going to give away two books. Hey, guys, I got a question for you. Shoot. You got an answer. What are the odds that this show is going to end up being one of our extended episodes? Respectable. Yeah, it's, this is uh, uh we've noticed or well I've, I've, I've been now, yeah. I've been looking over to my right here on Helen's iPad that I've seen our viewership skyrocket within like the last five to well, ten minutes. Let's, those let's of you that is, audience, yeah, <laughs> maybe those, those of you that are just now tuning in, Hi. welcome. Um, but yeah, there's a pro- there's a pretty good chance that we're going to end up going an hour and a half, which means we will most likely end up taking an intermission. Yeah. We have a comment. Michael so. Pearlstein says, did they just say Bloodhunter became official? We say it became official enough. We would consider it official, just as Jake said, due to the fact that it has been included in the companion app by Wizards of the Coast. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not on- like Wizards of the Coast said, yeah, this is canon now. It's more like Wizards said, it's not not canon. Yeah, it's on D- it, it did that J.K. Rowling thing. It's available for free on D&D Beyond now. And that is good enough for me because exactly. D&D Beyond is the official companion app and uh, resource that Wizards wants you to use. And if they're going to list it under their classes list. Like on the front page. Yeah, and they're going to be like, check it out. I'm going to say it's official. I mean, shit. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, all, most of my players asked me uh, when I started running that game on Tuesdays, uh, is Unearthed Arcana on the table? Yeah, totally. Unless it's Mystic. Uh, or mystic. So if it's if it's in the companion, just yeah, it's it's definitely good enough for me. Yep. I don't I don't see why not. So but let's let's get on to the actual unearthed arcana here. As a matter of fact, yeah. So yeah. they released three new subclasses. Um, I believe Paul. I will let you handle by all means. Uh, the uh, the blah, blah, blah. druid circle of spores. The circle of Ooh, rot mushrooms. And, my favorite. Well, the third kingdom. And the ones that are actually large enough to have more than one cell. You know how it is. There's Animalia, Plantae, Fungi. This is the Fungi Circle. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> fungi. You're going to be a real fun guy at parties. Oh, 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 I'm so good at this. Okay, yeah. So Circle of Spores is interesting because it's very different from the other circles. Uh, circle of the Moon is obviously shape-shifting and uh, shenanigans at being the best current class in the game. But... <laughs> 
Uh, the Circle of the Land is more of a traditional druid, but the Circle of Spores is the best way I can describe to think of an evil druid without actually just, ha, I'm here to be a jerk. Yeah. It's, they, they believe in sort of undeath as a intermediate step between life and death. And they see nothing wrong with the undead as long as they don't stick around too long. So they've got a couple features. They've got new spells. Well, not, they don't have new spells, but new, new abilities. Their circle spells are – they're okay. I've got nothing wrong with them. Um, animate Very Dead as a circle spell is always excellent, even if you already own it. Uh, Ravenfield went's good, so on and so forth. Um, you, you can take a look if you're seriously confused, but they're good. they're good abilities. Halo of Spores is the keystone ability of the circle of spores. And it's quite interesting because it lets you spend your reaction – because you're probably not going to be opportunity attacking as a druid in the back. No. But you can throw spores at somebody within 10 feet of you and hit them for a flat 3, 6, 9, 12 damage. A straight up pocket level. sand. Just pocket sand full of spores. <laughs> pocket spore. And that's that's pretty much that's, – that's all it does until you get fungal infestation level 6, which is – You got to tent it. You got to tent that house now. If you kill somebody with your uh, halo of spores, they turn into a zombie with one hit point animated by the uh, fungus in them. Ooh. You know, like uh, The Last of Us. Yeah. Just imagine a clicker or something standing up and rushing people. Ooh. I've only played the first 10 minutes of that game and then I quit playing because I was too sad. Um, <laughs> that's that, The problem is that's pretty much it. You also have the ability to throw them down as like a cloud, but eh, okay. whatever. It's, it's a it's – a, Perfectly serviceable subclass. I like it. Yeah, no, it does add. Uh, it adds a very weird bend to druid, which is cool. Yeah, no, it's been missing fungi. I think still waiting for that my it urban can be, druid. I think uh, honestly, uh, I might take this into account in our world building project uh, for my gnomes. That'd be something. There you go. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the least sexy of the options added: uh, the brute. It's a workhorse. I try. Yeah, you heard it here first. Fungus is sexy. <laughs> So I try to be very accommodating when I look at new subclasses. Like I typically get the idea of what they're going for. Um, I don't get what the hell Brute is supposed to be. Uh, it, so Brute's the beat stick fighter that people thought they were missing with between Champion and uh, – what's the other one? It's um, Superiority Dice. Battlemaster. Yeah, Battlemaster. Um the Brute has excellent damage because they just get to add like an extra die to their damage. Yeah, they add a D4. Uh, at third level, tenth level, they get to add 1D6. So um, they're saving one throws, d- which is incredible. Like, Woof. oh my god. I'm sorry, that's 1D6? Yeah, 1D6 to their saving throws. Yeah, you know. Later on on the podcast, just, on a, I'm making a, a face that's appalled. A, a 1D20, you just get to add a D6 to your saving throws. At like, seventh level, starting at seventh level. It's so, still yeah, an incredible what? ability. <laughs> Like, monks have going to go through, going 20th through. level for that. Going through. Um, so, Brute Force allows you to add a damage dice of various types. Uh, you add a D4 starting at third level. At 10th level, it becomes a D6. D8 at 16th. D10 at, D, uh, at level 20. Moving on to Brutish Durability. This is what they were just freaking out about. Beginning at 7th level, your toughness allows you to shrug off assaults that would devastate others. Whenever you make a saving throw, roll 1d6 and add the die to your saving throw total. If applying this bonus to a death save, death saving throw, increase the total to 20 or higher. You gain the benefits of rolling a 20 on the d20. Uh, I should note that's an unconditional addition to your... Saving throws. That's the equivalent of saying, hey, you get plus three or plus four to all your saving throws. Which yeah. is outrageous. Yeah. 
Especially if you're only trained in a few saving Especially throws. Especially given I'm, the bounded accuracy of fifth and gems. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really glad that I came back for that because I read that and was like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> to be fair, it does replace the champion and battle master. Can, can, can you just read that one more time for me, please? I'm sorry. No, it, the way you that get it works? to add a d6 to okay. all your saving so, throws, so, throws, including death saving throws. So, so, so say, including so death say you, yeah, say you roll, say you roll a 14 with no bonuses to the death save. I mean, not not counting your con that you would add to the death save. Do you? Have, yeah. Actually, do you? Huh? Yeah. You do. News to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't used enough death saving throws. Yeah. Don't worry, Paul. I've used a lot of them. You're trying your best. Yeah, you add you add your constitution bonus. So if you literally have a constitution bonus of zero, you roll a fourteen, then you pull out your D six and roll a six, you just roll a twenty. You stabilized. Yeah. yeah. So finishing this bad boy off. Um Devastating critical at level 15. Uh, you score a crit. You gain bonus to that weapon's damage roll equal to your level in this class. So that is at good. 15th level. Yeah, that's just a free 15 damage when you crit before we even start doing this stuff. To be fair, you have to crit first. It's a <laughs> yeah. oh, chance. But still. Baby. Well, also, too, I house rule my crits to be a little bit beefier because I we don't like 3-5 here in this house, but I do miss third edition criticals. Really bad. Double twenty instant death. I I just miss really big damage, like because that's a really exciting moment for the players when they get a crit, and it's a really terrifying moment for the players when the DM gets a crit. So. We'll, we'll ever talk about why critical hits are good or bad, but in another episode. so last ability they get survivor. Uh, long story short, uh, what it is you get. Hang on. Oh, I misread it. Okay. I was like, whoa, that's really good. <laughs> at 18th level, you attain the pinnacle of resilience in battle. At the start of each of your turns in combat, you regain hit points equal to five plus your constitution modifier. You don't gain this benefit if you have zero uh, hit points or if you have more than half your hit points left. So, so it's – Yeah, when you're below half, you fast heal. Yeah. I, I initially read that as you just are automatically regening at level 18. I'm oh, like, my god. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, like you're, so at level 18, you turn into a troll. You heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> or Wolverine. We uh, <sighs> we got a comment from uh, Kent Aberdeen who said game question mark. I assume that they mean uh, – are asking about what specific yeah, this is, game. Yeah, Dungeons right. Dragons. It's 5th edition. We are speaking specifically about 5e right now. Yes, 5th yeah. edition Dungeons & Dragons. In this house, mostly Jake and Paul hate and disrespect 3.5. Well – I used to like it, but unfortunately, new things have come they along. They made poor choices. There's a there choices. is a new p word swear word. We're not going to talk about that which shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have other hot takes. That listen, which listen, has listen. ruined the RPG market. Forever. Listen, listen, listen. We have something better to talk about. Yes, we um, do. The most interesting addition in the uh, this unearthed arcana. I, don't know, I like I like the brute fighter honestly. But uh, uh, it. Well, we'll talk about that obviously. When I'm a fan of the brute as well. I. Kind of like there's bits, there's aspect. Long story short, to sum up, brute really quick. There's aspects I like, but it still just feels like a barbarian-y fighter. I, I think it adds a nice niche. It's quite bal- It's quite good and balanced, honestly. Mm. All right, still worse than Battlemaster, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, Battlemaster is sent quite good. So, last but not least, Clint, I believe you checked out this one. Uh, no, I actually checked out the druid and the brute. Dang. Oh, dang. Well, you just get to sit there and shock it off, baby. I can, I can give my hot takes about either of those two, but no, I did not read the last All one. All right. So School of Invention. Yeah, for once, for, for he was wizards. driving, and that's why I'm drinking and having puns. <laughs> wizards <laughs> get everything nice, as usual. Well. Actually, this I, one's pretty bad. But. <laughs> no, this one, I don't know. This is really cool. Like, I thought War Magic, that they the War Mage that they added for, added for Xanathar's was kind of meh. 
Like, there's some cool stuff about it, but it just there isn't a new sexy thing for a wizard to do. This is yeah. yeah. I'm listening. Go on. This is attractive. I'll, I'll listen to how your your take on it, and then I'll obviously give my well as mean we, response as we discussed on the whip in the whip on the way here. Uh, in the whip on the whip. Not in the I don't know if your here. white escape is as cool as my. Uh, I refer that my wife. We're not fighting about cars. We're talking about wizards. It's an yeah. escape. Its name is Dory. Thank you. Right. So it's an escape. Wizards, wizards and invention. Because because artificers were not enough. Yeah, no. It's <laughs> it. Basically, they took artificer and they rolled it into a wizard class. Do you inherently have to play a gnome to play this class? No, no. But you should. You probably should. <laughs> but so they get a couple of things. They get um, tools of the inventor. Which, you know, proficiency in a couple of to- uh, tools of your choice to uh, that's a, you know, that's a thing. The <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but uh, the Arcana. What is? Oh, yeah. Arcano mechanical. That's a mouthful. The Arcanico mechanical Arcano mechanical armor. Yeah. Is really sweet. Yeah. That is my favorite part of this class. Uh, so, Paul, bring us down. So the Arcana Mechanical Armor is it gives you the ability to wear a suit of light armor, which you uh, you get proficiency in it, I believe. Don't, no. mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, it's part of the earlier thing is you get proficiency in it. But that being said, the Arcana Mechanical Armor, you touch any suit of light armor and it becomes uh, – well, you have to attune to it. Uh, you get proficiency in it. You tr- attune to it. And while wearing it, you get uh, – your dexterity it's 12 plus your dexterity modifier it weighs eight pounds and you get resistance to force damage which is exciting it's, Neat. N- it's not a thing we've explored for because force damage is supposed to be a thing that you have no resistance to like what like what is force damage like force magic lightning missile. as in like and now young skywalker oh okay magic like, missile yeah like and now young skywalker you die. Die. yeah okay okay that kind of it's, force it's, damage okay it's tight. it's supposed to be damage that nothing can resist like you can hit a ghost with a magic missile you can hit anything with a magic missile but you get resistance to it because why not? It, it's interesting, certainly. It's definitely a. It's definitely better than I can scribe spells for half cost, like every other wizard tradition gets. Yeah. But their real benefit, other than getting to wear light armor as a wizard, Michael is reckless casting. Michael Bird asks, "Does it apply to piercing damage as well?" No, it is only force damage. Just force damage. You have resistance to it. Which so is by by. I guess to to kind of clarify that there is a difference between like bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, and force. I mean, I understand how those could be deemed as like a but force seem, damage. Yeah, but this is a specific type of damage. Force is a very rare type of damage. Yeah, like it doesn't. Psychic. It doesn't happen very often. It's pr- pretty much the only way you'll see it is magic missile. Yeah, we have resistance to that. So there, but again, their real feature is reckless casting. Which is, I guess, the best way to describe it is they saw the arcane, like the wild magic uh, sorcerer, was not getting enough use. So they said, "Try this." It actually makes me think of uh, if you look in Volos at goblins, there is a adorable, and by adorable, I mean absolutely hilarious and terrifying goblin. Um, So they refer to goblins refer to magic as booyag. And a booyag, booyag, booyag is a sorcerer goblin, but every time he casts a spell, he has to roll on the wild magic table. So it's like the Pokemon move metronome. Yeah. Except every time he casts a spell, something bad or hilarious or good happens. For those well, yeah, the you, Pokemon spell metronome is you randomly you it, randomly you play, randomly a, a spell. You randomly play an attack. Yeah. For those of you that have played uh, – I don't know if it's in the other Elder Scrolls games, uh, but have done the Daedric quests in Skyrim. It is essentially the Wabajack. Yeah, it's in Oblivion and Morrowind. I haven't played okay. Daggerfall, but – 
And who cares about arena? Honestly. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't go as far into those games enough to get the Wabajack, but it's basically the Wabajack. You cast a spell and cross your fingers and hope to God it's something useful. You got to play the Wabajack. Yeah, if it's a buff, it's you're great. just like, oh, well, I guess. But Marwin's weird. Moving on. I love Marwin, but so, okay. So reckless casting. You can give up a spell slot to roll one d ten and see what happens. Honestly, I don't think this feature is very good, but it's very funny. See what happens from like a table of what? So like I roll – there's a table for each spell level up until fifth level. Okay. Uh, even if you use a sixth or highest level spell, it just goes on the fifth level. And you just roll 1d10 and for example, let's go through the second level spell. Say you throw away your uh, your web spell because you don't think it's going to be particularly useful here. You have a chance to cast Blur, Darkness – Enlarge, reduce, gust of wind, invisibility, levitate, acid arrow, scorching ray, and shatter, or the ability to cast two spells. That's a really wild grab bag. Yes. Yes, it is. Again, you cross your fingers and hope for something awesome. That said, the good thing about these is all these spells are at least combat relevant. You're not yeah, going right? to get scrying or yeah. whatever. Or like right. mending message. <laughs> all right. They're all combat Dancing relevant. lights. Yeah. So – uh, what else do we get after uh, your mad grab bag of spells? So alchemical casting allows you to sub- add extra spell slots in order to alter your spells, namely to change the damage type or just add 2d10 extra damage. Okay. Which is pretty useful because, I mean, getting to change – I'm going to use acid, a damage type that nothing has resistance to except for devils. Devils have resistance to a- – why? Yes, they do. In fact, why? Jake learned this last week. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> Found it out the hard way. Yeah. They also so, don't like kung fu. They don't like kung fu. Uh, so, again, that's it. it. It's. I feel like this is something that could be better implemented. It's a fun thing, but it doesn't feel impactful enough. Like giving up a spell slot to just change your fireball from fire damage to cold damage seems kind of overkill. Like, yeah. Why? All Unless right. you're facing completely immune to fire. What's their uh, what's but, their big ability? But lastly, they have uh, the ability to bonus action. They can re- change whatever spells they want once. Like they can change a spell. It's like I don't think this web is going to be very useful. I'm going to change it out for invisibility. They can do it. Bonus That's action. pretty good. And okay. lastly, they have the ability to whenever they throw a spell into the random number generator and heal the slot machine rolling, they can change a first level spell into a second level spell and a second level spell into a third level spell and so on and so forth. Hmm. Which actually makes it very worth using because if you're not going to use that web spell, you might want to swing the chance of getting a fireball. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, shoot. That's actually pretty useful. But that being said, I think this is worse than the standard archetypes. How so? It's too random. That's the problem with wild magic is you try to – you throw a spell in and you get – oh, wow. You get shattered. You get a whole 2d8 damage. It's it's too hard to control. You can't plan for it. And it seems like they're trying the wild magic thing, but again – I've seen scatter cast and end up disastrously when they meant to cast it. Yeah. Oh, you mean when Tristan accidentally killed like thirty villagers? Yeah, because he casted it in the middle there. of a crowd. It. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna cast shatter right here, and then like afterwards, I was like, yeah, like twenty people just fall to the ground dead. He was like, what the hell? <laughs> That's so, what you get. So read the, the description of the spell, man. As as Moving my on. as my good friend Jake said, the armor is excellent. Love you, Tristan. But. It's not magical. It never improves. and Well, I mean, it's magical, but it's not like plus one or anything. It never gets any extra benefits. And frankly, this the benefits for defense this thing gives is worse than the abjuration benefits. But and you still get better abilities cool. than abjuration. True. Yeah, role-play-wise. Works cool. on rule of cool and any DM worth their salt can just figure out a way to upgrade it over time. Um, that's that's all my hot takes about this. Is it's 
it's a fun class. It's not I, – I would be more upset about this, about Wizards getting their ninth subclass if it was very, very good. Yeah. But it's not. Very fair. Yeah. You have hot takes on Wizards. I don't like Wizards. <laughs> he is the anti-mage. Despite the fact that I play them. So uh, overall, how do we feel about the entire – New three subclasses they added. It's good to like see it. they're finally getting back on the subclass. Spore druids are sweet. I really like good. the idea behind the spore druid. I mean, I yeah, love that idea. As much as I just spent like ten minutes giving the wizard of invention some harsh language, they're all good. I would allow yeah, them in my games down. that yeah. fit. Like the brute is excellent. It's a new flavor and style of play for the fighter. The spore druid isn't bad, certainly. It's sort of the idea is super cool. It's super cool. In fact, I'm probably going to use it in my most recent. Yeah, it game. can use some tweaking, certainly, but yeah. I'm sure. But it, the idea is, and honestly, for all the again, for all the difficulty I've given, uh, Wizard Invention, it's definitely fun. Spin yeah. the wheel, make a deal. Yeah, it's the fantasy gosh upon. You can hear you can hear slot, slot machines rolling in the background as you throw in your second little spell. And ding 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 ding! Invisibility. Garfield the Deal's warlock is ready to duel. Yeah. So is that so. is that, is that basically the gist of the invention wizard? Yeah, that's and those much three subclass. Well, real quick before we move on, I've been monitoring the comments here. I didn't want to just like jump away from what we were talking about in the middle of the subclass. We got Michael Bird, same uh, same guy that asked about the piercing damage and force damage. Uh, he said, "What slash when is the giveaway?" To answer that, what the giveaway is any two five e books that are non special edition. To okay. clarify, that is when two people. Two get people one get book one book. book. Get one book. Yes, we're either we're going to figure out how we're going to do that and how the odds are you know uh, going to be. And obviously, we're not included in this. Yes, oh, no, oh, we are not included to this. And I would even go as far as to say that like. Family members should be yeah, right. well, I mean, like us four, and also like Nacha and our yeah. Nacho's not winning a book. Nacho Sorry, buddy. Fado. Moving on. Sorry, not moving but on. Anyway, Either yeah. way, and then when we're going to be doing the drawing once our page hits 500 likes, so it's it, it just comes down to when we get yeah. that. So it's entirely dependent. Help, help us help you good. if you want. If you want the chance to win the book, share this. Tell your friends about us. Uh, check us out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Make sure to like the Facebook page because that's when we're going to be doing the. Honestly, for the level of investment you have, a chance to get free a free book for absolutely nothing is pretty good. Oh, yeah. yeah, and and as Kent says in the nothing. comments, fun is what is important. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why we do this in the first place. That's why we have a hobby like this. So Although I think that's probably directed to the. All right, gang. We've got there. about thirty minutes left of show, but we are going to take a quick break, kind of go regather our thoughts. Um, again, one more time, we're doing the giveaway, so. Uh, to everybody who's new and watching the show, please uh, like thank our you. page. Thank you for tuning in. And if you're enjoying the content, as Paul said, go head over to our page, 3DM's podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Once we get to 500, we're going to give away uh, two books to two lucky people. So uh, Our website will, yeah. will finally be live tonight or tomorrow as well with graphics and resources and links to – uh, eventually links to all of our uh, previous episodes. Also, thank you guys all for the uh, the viewership as well as the comments. We greatly appreciate it. Love the com- well. This I, is why I, we do it live. It, we love to yeah, interact. I think it's I think it's kind of indicative of being a DM. This the do commenting on this and asking us questions makes us think on the fly. Yeah, and, you know it it really drives the entire purpose behind the show in the first place. So. Uh, when we get back from our break, uh, we're going to go take a quick five-minute break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, – we're doing New Year, New World. We're talking about world building a lot too on yep. the show right now this month. And uh, we're going to talk about inspiration and you know 
just a bunch of where personal we get takes. our ideas. Yeah. yeah, personal takes on how to implement ideas that you might get from elsewhere. But we're gonna go take five minutes. We'll be right back, guys. Please stay with us. We'll be back soon. We love you. Thank you, guys. All right. We're back um, one more time. I know everybody who's been with us, uh, but just in case there's any new viewers, we're going to plug the giveaway one more time. Uh, we're doing a giveaway. If you enjoy our content or you're brand new and you're just seeing our faces, well, guess what? If you go and like our Facebook page and once we get to 500 likes, we're going to give away uh, two D&D books to two different people, uh, one book per person, obviously. Uh, no special editions is the only thing, but... Any 5e book you want, we're going to do a giveaway. So head over to our Facebook page, 3DMs Podcast. Uh, throw us a like. And once we hit 500, we are going to give away some books. We'll even and sign to, it for you if you want. And to be specific, this is a book that you request. We will contact you directly. We're just going to give you a random us. book. Like. Well, yeah. It's this always is, useful this to have is, another player's handbook. This, but. Is an, it, this is an amazing giveaway for – Anybody new, from new somebody who has almost any book that they could imagine because what DM doesn't want two player sandbooks? <laughs> That's actually true. I like uh, wish I had six. So yeah, I need mine back. By the way, <laughs> let's, let's not forget, of course, our lovely sponsors, Podcast Detroit. Uh, yeah, we recorded the podcast studio, Detroit the studio that we, off of. yeah, our hosts, yeah, that we uh, knock the walls off. If you ever, if you're in the Southeast Michigan area, you live here, you want to start your own podcast. Check out Podcast Detroit. They're actually doing free podcast weekends here coming up, uh, so you can get in for free and try your own show out. This is a, this is actually a really cool question. Uh, Thomas just commented. I'm oh, sorry. I would say your last name, but I'm sure I would butcher it. Uh, says, what apps do you guys use to find games slash players? I don't have a lot of time, but I still want to play D&D. This is the first time seeing this podcast. Me personally? Um Roll twenty. Roll twenty. Roll twenty. And, and actually, roll roll twenty is really really cool for somebody who doesn't have like the time to be like, okay, I'm gonna set aside like for me, I'm gonna set aside Wednesday nights to play in a game, Tuesday nights to run a game. You can go onto roll twenty and set specific filters to multiple different tabletop RPGs that you would want to play. The frequency at which you would play anywhere from weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and even one-shots. And in the time zone. And in the time zone, absolutely, yeah. They, they'll have it list. You set those parameters, and then it'll list all of the games that people who are running are uh, looking have for players. that are looking for players. Or if you're looking to run a game, it's the same thing. You make a post. You say, hey, I want to run a one-shot. Uh, for example, I had one where a DM wanted to run the module of the haunt as a one shot. We ended up playing twice, but I mean, yeah, still, it's darn. it's pretty much the same thing. He was like, "We're going to be playing on this day at this time. I need five to six players. Uh, comment on this or message me about what character you would want to play. Give me a short description." Yeah. So, uh, Roll Twenty is a great asset. Fantasy yeah. Grounds also uh, does pretty much the same thing. It's more your flavor, you know, depending on what you like. Both are great websites. Uh, I think everybody in this room prefers Roll20, but I've yeah, played Roll20's I'm poor. free. I, I would, I'd, if I had the money, I'd pay for Fantasy Grounds, but I'm sorry, Fantasy Grounds. I, I have messed you with Fantasy money. Grounds just a little bit, and it's still pretty good. Thomas says, sweet. Thanks, guys. That's good info for me. So. Best luck out there, Thomas. We're going to get into the, uh, I guess, the not really specific kind of stuff. This is more of discussion and thought. The actual DM part of this DM. Yes, this is, the, this, this is the talk show portion. Yeah, where we will. just talk to each other about stuff. So, uh, we're doing New Year, New World. 
uh, were all collectively working on building a new fantasy setting together. Us four plus our uh, sometimes host Nacho as well. Yes. Yes. And the information that we will be coming up with that world will be posted on our page. So if you guys want to use our one, campaign setting, yeah, it will be a link available. to our website. Yep. Yeah, when, actually, when the, the entire once, setting once is complete. Is up. Uh, we will post the entire fantasy setting, but, but which will take which will us. take a while. But as the entire theme of the world building segments that we will be doing all throughout this month say, it it takes time to do this kind of thing, especially when you're doing it between five people. So take your when time. It's all just in your yeah. head. Yeah, it's a whole lot of meetings that none of us are getting paid for. But we're gonna <laughs> that's talk. the car ride. Yeah, we're talking about inspiration today, and last week we had a lot of really good questions on. Uh, both inspiration and we also had a really good discussion in the uh, return car ride home about what is appropriation and what is flat out stealing and we thought we'd actually discuss that on the show this week. And those are the topics that personally I really enjoyed talking about because like I like I said in the last episode, there is a fine line between stuff like that. It's, it's a tricky business. Yeah. So inspiration, right? You're a DM. Uh, I remember when I was a, a young, young DM – Damn it. <laughs> Who's got the sad piano for me? Who's got that G key? Do, do, Believe it or not, I can do, play the piano. Do. We don't have one in here. I know. I can too. Um, neat. Dueling so pianos one when show, I was a young DM, <laughs> Let's do it. When I was a young DM, I, had the, uh, I fell into a pitfall that several DMs fall into in that everything must be original. Um, I have to come up with the most uniquest, dankest stuff. This, you know, just... Incredible! I'm sorry, Kent. Uh, Kent Boatner uh, just commented. We've had him comment a few times, and he said, "Meetings you don't get paid for. That's that is D and D." Oh God, he's so right, and I hate myself for it. <laughs> Thanks, Kent. You're I don't. A gem. I don't. I don't think that you could be more correct. So I got um, hurting toddlers, <laughs> but sorry, players. <laughs> So when I started out, obviously, <laughs> my big focus was on making sure everything I did was, like, trying to be unique and all this stuff. And it just wound up being really annoying because, like, I was just trying to write, like, the greatest plot nobody had ever seen ever. And Exposition is hard. I totally missed the point on what being a DM is. It's cooperative storytelling. I mean, so that being said, the beauty of being a DM is you can take things that you are remarkably like influenced by or that you think are just amazing and you can take them and you can twist them into your own way. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll start with Clint because we had a brief discussion about this with you. Yep. And as far as your main inspirations, they're actually pretty limited. Yeah. I mean, it probably comes down to the fact that I haven't been DMing for very long and I mean, I'm – I'm kind of that guy in the caught up in the mainstream when it comes to the the fantasy type of things that I'm involved with. Yeah. You'll become jaded the soon fantasy. enough. Um, but yeah, I mean my my two big ones like my two big ones are without a doubt Elder Scrolls and Lord of the Rings. Like for example, I've multiple times in uh, over running games over Roll Twenty and using Discord for the voice chat in the group or in the jukebox channel. Multiple times I've gone to YouTube, found a link for Skyrim music, and played it as ambiance for whatever the scene I was tavern. trying to set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there, there was yeah. there there was an hour long thing that was just it was literally the audio from Skyrim that when you would walk into one of the taverns, it was fire cracking, people talking, and like 
bard, a, a bard playing know. in the corner. Yeah. I mean, is is that kind of an easy way out? Is it not a very obscure reference? Absolutely. But at the same time, like, it got the point across. Well, I mean, there's yeah, the thing it, is that Elder Scrolls has two layers. You can do the, the uh, uh, like, the obvious layer. And you can do the, oh, yeah, you, you're uh, the whole world is actually a song and memories are water. Oh, and uh, – Exactly. Uh, well, also, uh, you bring you up the point, You can dream Clint. your way out of the world and become greater than a god. Like, yeah. You bring up the point, Clint, also, that your players aren't – Super experienced in playing D and D, and so this is most, stuff that's most, most of, of my players with the, with are the not of, like, super Jake experienced. Jake and Nacho are the two most experienced right, players but they're also that I've DMs played on with. This show, so. Exactly, they're 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 two very what I would consider hardcore hobbyists of right. this. Whereas you know, uh, a few your frat brothers few, say. Well, yeah, I haven't. Thinking I'm, I'm thinking time. about trying to get some of or, those yeah, sorry, guys Nacho into it, but the uh, my my other friends that I run for they are ve- they enjoy the game nonetheless but they're very casual gamers. Nothing wrong with that. Well, so is- I want to kind of use references that they know because I know that like me exactly. that that's I I know that they would enjoy that I know that I enjoy it I know that all of us understand where it's coming from. They sort of get the cultural nuances that you're trying to get across. It makes it easier for a campaign setting to start to flow when you're using inspiration that you know that your players understand. So right. quick question. Okay. Is it was it Matthew Koval that said you're only as good as the sources you take. That from. is where I heard. He said that. Uh, so to paraphrase, this, your, your because skill, I, we, your your skill as a DM is how obscure your references you steal from. Yeah, are. no, this is this is hard paraphrasing. I'm, uh, we'll look up the exact quote. Yeah, because I know what episode it's it's in of uh, Matt Colville's amazing how to DM web series on YouTube. Check but, it out, guys. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, by the way, and you're trying to DM, it is amazing. Watch that. Like, every time I look at the 5e group or on Reddit and someone's just like, hey, I'm trying to be a D- uh, DM. How how should I start? You just slap them <laughs> in the face with Koval. But Control V. There you go. So, we can't all be the old Grognards who have been role-playing since they were 10. So. Uh, someday, you Paul. You don't want Nerd. to be Someday. So, <laughs> Nerd. It's but, a long and lonely road. <laughs> so, yeah. No, so we're... It sits, though, for, uh, you know, as far as your references. That quote is very, very accurate. When I started out, I was trying to make sure everything, like, everything wasn't inspired by something. But as time went on um, and I let some postmodernism take effect, it became very apparent that you can do Anything that you've seen done and as long as you do it in either a way that is respectful or you do it in a way that it's been changed in about two degrees and I'll explain how changing something in degrees works in a second. You can basically take anything and make it yours. So I want to say another thing briefly about this which is linked to that is Ben Yahtzee Crosshaw said, sometimes things are popular because they're good. So you yeah. can't just – you don't want to go away. It's like I'm going to subvert every single possible idea that people have done because sometimes those, tro- those, like, those tropes, those ideas are, th- are there for a reason. I mean I know that we're throwing out a lot of quotes here but I took a I've, – I've taken songwriting classes before and my songwriting instructor, one of the quotes that sticks with me through all creative outlets period is creativity does not happen in a vacuum. No, it does not. There's no way – to come up with some sort of creative idea that is not influenced by something. Yeah. As we say in science, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Of course. Mm. But 
Finish what you're saying, Jake. Um, well, Sorry, actually, Jake. really quick, I'm going to respond to yeah, Mason let, Whittle. Let's, let's get to that um, question first. So, really quick. So, Mason says, or Mason asks, uh, he's a first-time viewer, how many of you DM in person or online or even both? And if you do DM online, do you feel like it isn't the same experience as sitting around a table with people and feeling the energy of the group? So we're going to do like this. A really long this is discussion. A really, yeah. This is a That's really a good question. That's a complicated question, question Mason. That is, yeah. that is a great question. It's no, a great topic you. for a show. Um, yes. But to sum it up briefly – because uh, I think we will probably like that's I know probably that's on next the next episode honestly it's it's yeah. somewhere on the docket of you know big topics because yeah. we yeah. got a next got a big old Google doc online of, online versus in person tabletop gaming but finish your saying Jake um uh, well just to answer his question I actually have it depends more on the people I've yep. run some in game person like in person games and they're bad just because like the players are always on their phones or dicking around and then i've run online games that are amazing because everyone's super into it but at the same time it flips you know i've run uh, it it all depends on the people sometimes you catch your players playing steam games yeah personally i mean personally my experience they i i struggle to run the game that i run on roll 20 and uh once that leg of this campaign comes to an end i'm going to probably stick to in-person game for a while because I mean the the games that I've had in person I've never I've never played a game online that I've actually had like a legitimate emotional response to whereas in person when we're all sitting around the table and as you said you know the the feeling and the energy of the group definitely does play a part if you play especially in a role play heavy setting or especially if you've been so, playing for a long time too, and there's like Paul, a plot really that you're like invested in. You are the uh, the grognard. You, you primarily play online, but also too, we've got about twenty. You are minutes grand. You are grand papa the show, around so. the table. So get ready for the spiciest of takes. The viewers. <laughs> I mostly play games without any voice chat at all. Hmm. I play almost exclusively games which are nothing but writing at each other. I love it. Huh. Yes, give it to me. That being said, it. <laughs> It dramatically slows down combat. I would not recommend it for very combat-heavy games, but the role play is exceptional. These people can think through what they're saying and how their character will react. Yes. So I get like multiple paragraph, multiple paragraph summations of how their character reacts and why. I love and it. For for games, I those games I don't usually play D and D because D and D is a very combat-focused game. Yeah. It's old. Right. But for things like Fate, which is mostly wordplay shenanigans, mm-hmm. I play almost exclusively text-based because I can. We can talk about things with bolded senses. This is important. This is not important. This is my description of why I'm doing this and how. That said, personally, I, I'm going to go against the grain. I feel more energy online than I do off because people feel very awkward pretending to be somebody they're not in person, I find, unless you find very experienced role players. That's very so true. So people online yeah. can sort of ignore that barrier because, oh, I'm, I'm Basrock the Dwarf. All right. So. But you are Basrock the Dwarf, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, uh, well, this is this is definitely it's a complicated answer. Mason. This this is this Again, is a topic. I think we're going to go into role playing and actually like DM charisma in another episode at some point. But yeah, we're going to get into this. Don't you worry. Tune in. He says sorry. Soon. Uh, Mason says sorry, guys. Just always curious about this, given that I normally DM in person. Don't be sorry. But have moved to online we since our talk. group now lives in three states. LOL. We'll be sure to try and catch our episode about it. Thank you for answering. Don't be Thank sorry. It's a great you, question. Mason. No, that is a fantastic and it's true. question. Like, that, that's the t- the questions like that. Jake are... and Paul play with people online from all over the world. Oh, yeah. I play yeah. with um, 
a guy from Rhode Island. I play with a guy from Mexico, from Italy, from Russia, from so on and so forth. Sukoblia. <laughs> Let's not mock him. He's a good guy. No, Moss is a great guy. He's Italy, but <laughs> oh, damn! I thought that was your Russian guy. <laughs> All right, guys, we got 13 minutes. But let's let's talk about inspirations because we've kind of got distracted. So, Jake, you've already got some written down there. Yeah, go on. Yeah. All right. So, uh, when it comes to inspiration, though, so getting back to you know, whoa, 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 back to our topic uh, before we got that excellent question. We, when it comes to me for inspiration, I literally will take anything that I can get my grubby hands on. <laughs> um, as long as I can make it just different enough, make it work. Yeah, dungeon masters. Um, so a really good example of something that I steal from all the time when it calls for it, but it's never been particularly called out, or it will just occasionally. Everyone's like, "Oh, this is kind of like this." Is Silent Hill? Like, is just one thing. So whenever. Uh, because every now and again, I'd like to say probably about every 15 sessions or so, um, I'm feeling in the well, mood like to 10, do. honestly. Uh, not my personal opinion. From what I'm saying to you. I feel like, like every every major topic is, that we start talking about opens up another can of worms to okay, another this is, major this topic. This is a ridiculous discussion. Jake, Jake uses silent leading, in, leading into horror in D&D. Yeah. Um, That's another. So whenever I do horror in D&D, or also as Paul, like, Paul likes to refer to it, Spooky. I'm sorry for that. That was... Yeah, you're a jerk. You know how many times I tried to do spooky shit and Nacho would sit online and go spooky stuff and then just totally negate everything I did. See, that's the... That's how it started. (laughs) Going back to Mason's question, this is really great for uh, playing spooky stuff. It's great to play in person. You know, maybe like around Halloween in a basement. But when you're online and somebody can just post like ghost gifts, (laughs) ruins the mood. Yeah. Anyway, Jake. But... I love to steal from the Silent Hill mythology because, like, Silent Hill 2 was a great game. The rest of the series, questionable. But even then, hey, even Silent though Hill 1 was okay. No, Silent Hill 1 was great. But trust me, like, I love the whole series and I have to defend it all the time. Trust me. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of great stuff hidden in that series. And I just will take from it all the time in terms of. Uh, they've got a lot, a lot of great stuff for cults, a lot of great motivations and characters who, if you add a dimension to them or add a little bit more to make them more relatable, they become better uh, characters. A character who I literally transitioned and used as an enemy for an older party was uh, in Silent Hill 2 There's or Silent Hill 3. There's this character named Claudia Wolf, and she is the head of a cult, and her whole goal is to basically give birth to evil god. Ooh. A little excessive. That's I know. Lovecraft Evil. stuff. Uh, Innsmouth horror right there. Yeah. <laughs> Extra as shit. Yeah, exactly. And so I took the Claudia Wolf idea and then I literally changed the name to Volk, uh, which is uh, – it's some – German for people? No, 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 no. There's uh, – Another character. No, it's uh, – I can't remember. I'm blanking on the language right now, but it is a translation for wolf. Um, made it a dude, and then instead of bringing about God, it was uh, – or giving birth to God, it was becoming God. But used a lot of the same talking points in that it was a responsibility because uh, Claudia Wolf's character was like they had a certain responsibility to the people that they thought they were serving to bring this God back. And so 
when I did this character, I just, you know, changed a couple of things. But I kept a lot of the same talking points because Claudia Wolf throughout the game does make a very compelling argument uh, about why the god should come back. Although you're always at the same time, you're just like, lady, you crazy. You should know. No. no honey, what safe. are you doing? Oh, no, <laughs> exactly. oh, no baby. So that's a pretty quality example of like something I've used from Silent Hill. Like I've done the fog and I've done unsettling things that, you know, like little bits of jump scares taken from Silent Hill because. Oh, I don't know. Maybe walking into a murder scene and seeing runes scribed on the wall and just being like, what the shit actually just happened in this room? That could also be Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, Clint. <laughs> No, that was – I don't even know what that first session I ran with you guys was because that was a lot of off the top of the dome. But uh, Thomas, uh, again – Alters it. Well, let's well, well, not say – How do you say it? Our Thomas. Friend. Alters it. Anyway. He says, okay. I use people in real life as inspiration. Kim Jong-un. As an evil not warlord. bad choice. I don't think that that's a bad choice at all. I mean look at the way that like movies in the 80s use the Russians. Hell yeah. I would use Kim Jong-un as inspiration. Please don't nuke us, Kim. I use... My favorite movie in the whole world is... The I'm Mushroom wearing star-spangled socks right now. I'm not scared of Kim Jong-un. <laughs> okay, we are in the Midwest, so... Um, you got more on your list there, Jake. Yeah, I got a lot more on my list. I mean, there... You know, inspiration comes from a lot of sources. Like, I will just... Uh, I steal from Supernatural, the TV show, a lot, because... It's your favorite. Redneck Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Law and Order with Demons. Now we've got we've got Dave, Satan's cousin, who's twice as evil and hasn't been mentioned, but he's going to kick your ass. And he's got a real nice car. Jesus and he's got a mass boat. Redneck Dragon Ball Z. Tap it out. Tap it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry again. I know that we generally only have a cap of one, but that is the funniest fucking thing that I've heard all week. Oh my god. Anyways, when you get past the fact that it's a redneck Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff on an episode-to-episode -episode basis. There's about 250 episodes of the show. For example, and in the twice as evil as Monster Satan, of the Week, never mentioned before. the supernatural sort of episode methodology is referred to as Monster of the Week sometimes. Yeah. There is literally 250 adventures you could run if – you know, you were to take each episode of Supernatural and just run it as an, you know, one shot. Uh, Tom, I'll interject while you're catching your breath. Uh, Thomas interjects, SSGA is fine. I'm retired military. Yeah, get in touch with Nacho. Come in, come in and talk with us, you know. Yeah, Nacho's a Veterans Marine in D&D &D is like the whole thing. Believe it or not, a whole lot of yeah, we hurry had up a, and wait. We did a talk point on it. We had, a, we had a whole show. Yeah, of episode four? I can't remember what episode, episode four, it was episode actually. The first yeah. episode with Nacho on it. It was a uh, we we had a whole segment about tabletop gaming in the military. But moving on, guys, we got about fourteen minutes left. So, <laughs> and I haven't even sauce. said anything yet, other than my or me injections. Yeah. So. yeah, no, Supernatural is another pl like um they they do a lot of really good fluff stuff in Supernatural. There's a lot of stuff at Supernatural you can groan at, but there's a lot of things they do very effectively. Um, I like the way they do their angels and their demons particularly. They're also very good at presenting the idea of how monsters can often like present themselves in a social setting. The way they treat vampires a lot of the times is very effective. There's a literally an episode where 
uh, set in modern times, of course, but vampires uh, just go on to like Twilight fan sites and talk to teenage girls who are super into Twilight. And like are like I'm a real vampire, and then on the they podcast, get vampire chicks. On audio, you can't see my face right now, but I'm melting. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's. I'm melting. melting. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> uh, but. But still, it's hilarious. It's, it's a great. good. It's a good place to it's steal from. It's actually yeah. probably what I, vampires would do. <laughs> I yeah no right? I literally yeah, the long story short I literally steal from everything I can. I bought sh- uh, Shadow of War the. Uh, Mordor Shadow of War, which is Tolkien, you're wrong. Your, your setting isn't about songs and love and stuff. It's about murder and brainwashing yeah, orcs. Yeah, it's about uh, seeing how with. unique and intelligent orcs can be and then still just forcing them to your will. But I literally bought that game just to steal personality types and orcs and characters. I trust you guys to remind me we have an amazing question. When Once we get to Paul and he finishes his take on this, we have a and question also, that I've... And, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and I, frankly, Helen... I'm sorry. I'm also... I was thinking we're going around the table. I totally forgot that you haven't given your sorry. take on this yet. I'm history buff slash history major. We can talk probably a lot of things that are going to be the same thing. Yeah. I was only going to cite one fiction source. But, okay, so... And use all of our let, Patreon time let, let, talking let, about history. Let's just let Jake finish up what he's yep. saying. Anyways, obviously, let's let Jake finish up. Hey, Jake, get out of the way. We're going to talk about us now. Long story short, um, when it comes to taking inspiration, I find the biggest, like, the easiest three-step thing to find is, or to do, is you take what inspires you. So we will use in this, uh, for this very one, we're going to use Resident Evil, um, a character who is awesome in Resident Evil but never gets any hype is this guy called Hunk. Oh, yeah, Hunk. Definitely the best character. The legendary Hunk. Um, he's only a bonus playable character in a couple of things. And his whole job is he just shows up and he shoots monsters. And that's it. And he's a SWAT team guy and he just shoots monsters and he works for Umbrella Corp. And Best character in Mercenaries in Resident Evil 4. And he's just – yep. And he's just like – he's a one-note character. Useful though. How Definitely do you – now – okay, I want to use Hunk but I want to – Take that away. So Hunk is the inspiration. I give him a bit more backstory, use some tables perhaps, or just look at another character. I want to maybe add some more stuff. He is known as Mr. Death. He is the last survivor of damn near every operation he goes on. You know, he sounds like the mountain. Only one who survived. I'm Zaid Masani, and I'm the only one who survived this mission. Yeah. So so I I take Hunk. I have to obviously adapt the fact that the guy uses a submachine gun, you know, give him (laughs) – you know, so I give him a crossbow, um, give him a military background, obvious military background. He's a mercenary, and I now have this mercenary that I can just give a much better name to uh, instead of, you know, Hunk or Mr. Death. I just look at something, but it's you know, in that category. And now Mr. Death. El Señor Diablo. <laughs> Chunk. El Señor de la Muerte. <laughs> Lump. Right, I was devil. waiting for that, yeah. but I didn't want to be the one to say it. Yeah. I'm not very good at Spanish. Sorry, guys. And you take – Diablo's devil. Sorry. But you take that guy and you just add a couple of fictional twists to him and suddenly, you know, something, something death guy, mercenary who's death by himself – he no longer resembles – if you just do enough little things to him, he no longer resembles uh, Hunk from Resident Evil. He now is your own character, but he's also hitting on enough touchstones of 
certain tropes that everybody knows him, but at the same time he feels fresh and he feels unique. So He's something that is on the same tier, but is not the same character, and I think yeah. that's the important distinction. He to, serves the same purpose. To, to simplify, uh, take and expand is what you're saying. Yeah. Take and expand upon this character. Take and expand and or alter. Yeah. Obviously, inspiration is one thing. You can be creative. Don't, don't let us get us wrong. You can create original stuff. Yeah. That's, in fact, I would argue better. But you, you are not weaker for having taken inspiration from other things. That's a very good point. And there is a difference between reworking and using inspiration. Yeah. But where do you thoughts. stand? Where? Yeah, I was going to say, Paul, where do you stand on this? Yeah, yeah, where do you like to hear I, your inspiration? I, I want to hear your inspiration. We got time. I have gratuitous free time. <laughs> so I like to make original things. That being said, I understand that obviously there's nothing new under the sun. So what are things that you do like you like to take from? Yeah, what do you like to pull from? It's oh, a long story. Yeah, uh, also being a history. Give us, sure. give us like a top three. History. What are, you, what are your top three? History is the big one. Uh, I like talking, taking from the two different warring states periods in China. Awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. The obviously the one that people know is the Three Kingdoms slash Dynasty Warriors period. Yep. As well as the one where you had North and South China. I also like, and Did, this is a Paul, weird one. Real quick history question: Is one of those where they had the really two boat, really two big boats fight on a rather small lake? Uh, no, it's Three Kingdoms. <sighs> but still. <laughs> Look it up. Super cool. Anyway, go on. Uh, the other one, of course, is um, cultures that history is kind of ignored because they're not European. Yeah, um, yes. For our setting, I I hate to say I'm directly copying because I've made a lot of changes, obviously, because I feel that directly copying is kind of lazy because, as Jake said, you take and you expand upon and just taking one culture and saying, these dwarves are now Inca is kind of – lame. You have to sort of explain why they got there and how they've changed. Right. Um, it's, it's more of sort of blending necessarily than just straight up taking. That said, <laughs> you are not a thousand years of history. You should no. definitely take cues from other cultures. Right. But you should not take everything and just sort of stop there. Uh, what about for more contemporary sources? More contemporary sources. I enjoy uh, Lord of the Rings, although – as we all enjoy Lord of the Rings, of course. I I specifically do not enjoy Game of Thrones, but that's a Same. topic for another time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lord well, of the Rings sort of – people miss the point of orcs. Of and course. I feel that Warcraft and other modern orcs sort of miss the point of, hey, these are people who don't make any beautiful things because they're too concerned with murder and being tortured into hatred. And I suppose the biggest inspiration I feel is – I'm going to sound gratuitously Midwest, so bear with me, but the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super no, I I do use a lot of Judeo-Christian imagery in a lot of my games because it's very relatable for Americans. Yeah. Like a lot of us, yeah, exactly. Using familiar things is really helpful to your players. Sometimes. I didn't go to church as a kid, but I have a pretty good understanding of the stories and the things that happen in the Bible. And there's a lot of people who do, and so you just you know, it's, it's helpful to pull on tropes. The, the last one, of course, is um, European mythology that was sort of crushed by. Christianity, like um, <laughs> one thing you should really know about fae, like the fae creature type, is Celtic mythology has unseely and seely fae, the winter ah, court yes. and the summer court. And the rules are different for each. They are very yes. different and you should not mess with them because seely court, you're probably not going to mess with them sort of they're the kingdom that you're trespassing upon. Unseely fae are the ones that you're going to fight with like monster stats in the monster manual. Right. There's something you should look up for. But especially – 
history is very difficult to do because you sort of feel like at some point that you're impinging upon the sort of – You're appropriating. You're, you're worried about that yeah, at the, least. The cultural identity of what you're – Exactly. Uh, what you're taking inspiration from. Yep. Right, which is which is why I always like to blend. I might say, hmm, I'm going to take, uh, you know, maybe the government structure and political influence of Tudor England, but set it in the sort of city look and, uh, you know, environmental feel of... The Iroquois, let's say? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, totally, you know, just totally go wild. Use a random random I mean, generator. Okay. I hate to say but, that. Yeah, Jake, like, just mix Jake's and match. Take a couple cultures, yeah. slam them together, yeah. see how they'd fit. Yeah. I hate to be that guy, guys, but we're running low on time. We, we have one comment. question to ask, and we need to give our final thoughts. So let's give our final thoughts on this, and then let's answer this question. Uh, I want to have a final thought. Yeah, my one piece of inspiration that I would really like to recommend for all of our viewers is a book. A uh, book series that I actually read as a young lady that rather um, influenced how I think about fantasy called The Enchanted Forest Chronicles oh, yes. by Patricia Patricia C. Reed, starting with uh, Dealing with Dragons. Which oh, is super oh, my God. Good. Yes, that is literally one of my favorite books and is extremely formative for me um, about how dragons work, about how magic works later on in the when you go into the Enchanted Forest with how like it works the across the forest the and how like the king of the Enchanted Forest can like directly manipulate the magic by just like looking at it and how like witches and magicians work with like hearth magic and with having like a vest full of pockets so, like a damn fisherman. On anyway. top of that I should say neat. It's super good. Young adult books and children's books actually go hold ham. a wealth of inspiration oh oh, yeah. that you'd not believe in. I mean get a library card, go check out a bunch of stuff. They're usually, you know, stuff you can read in a day or two, you know. The day that well, I figure out you how might to even work feel the, a feeling. The day that I figure out how to work the giver into a D D <sighs> Setting, so, yeah, I will retire as a That's DM. a great one. Is um, <laughs> yeah, classics. The day I became, when I became a man, I put away all childish things, including the fear of being seen as childish. Uh, so, guys, yeah, um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more on inspiration next week. I think there's a yeah. couple of steps on this topic that we haven't covered, but we will save that for next week. But we got to wrap up, and I really want to get to this question. great yeah. question, Jonathan Caputo. Hey guys, first time viewer, but followed. I finally tried D&D for the first time after 25 years of oh looking God. for people to play with. Um, I admire you. I just, yeah. And I love it. As the fossil of the show, I just turned 27. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> eager, eager to start DMing any shows on YouTube besides Matt Colville, I should watch. If I may. There are, and us. There are two that I have watched before. I'm I did not watch them as religiously as uh, Matthew Colville, specifically Matthew Colville's Running the Game series, which I think is like past 30 episodes or so now. Um, A Fistful of Dice has some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, they It's not quite as where Matthew Colville is like in steps and it kind of gradually builds on top of things. Like I wouldn't recommend necessarily watching Matthew Colville out of order. Can I, can I recommend as a very bottom rung The Adventure Zone? Adventure oh, yeah. Zone is Adventure great. Adventure Zone is super great. Uh, also, John, it's cool. I just feel old among all these other people. Where, where Matthew Colville has an entire series dedicated to that one topic, I feel like A Fistful of Dice covers multiple different topics, if you will. They're kind of independent of each other. There are all sorts of dice. And then there are certain things that I've looked to that I have found videos on Nerdarchy. Uh, Mike Pisani suggests WebDM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. getting to things I'd recommend. Um, more specifically, if... Uh, I, I do find very helpful when you're trying to DM and you're trying to get better at DMing is watching other DMs actually do their work. Oh, so yeah. watching shows like Critical Role, 
um, or the Adventure Zone, watching or listening to the Adventure Zone, and uh, I believe us. Drunks and Dragons also streams on Twitch, but their podcast is also very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Long um, um, and sure. if I'm going Hashtag to give Illusion will, will never die. <laughs> if I'm going to give my personal recommendation, it'd actually be uh, the series that got me into D and D, which was role play. I mean, um, was it Yeah, no, it was Starcast, Starcraft show basically uh now i'm hurt <laughs> Go on. no it was a starcraft show um or it was a starcraft based youtube channel and they were like hey we're gonna start playing you uh you know some youtube D for fun and this was like back in 2012 13 and uh neil Six erickson the d uh, yeah the neil erickson the dm for the first campaign they did uh been dming for over 20 years really knows his stuff he runs second edition but it like his DMing style That's is vintage. still, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite as vintage. We're talking or BCMI is pretty fair. vintage, but but it's the stuff. It's the way he runs the game that I really appreciate. And then there's also Adam Koble who wrote uh, Dungeon World, co-wrote Dungeon World. Oh yeah, an excellent system. And he uh, he does a lot of different game types on there, and his DMing style is fantastic. His description is something I try to attain but i'm just nowhere near as good at, well, at, at it as him remember you're comparing your your blooper reel to other people's highlight reel no exactly but at the same time gotta aim high um yeah. i mean you'll always be your own worst enemy but at the same time know your enemy but above all know yourself and you should yeah. win a thousand battles yes so with Thank that guys too. we have gone 40 minutes over our <laughs> yeah. show time uh, one last time, we're doing a giveaway. If you're new here and you're enjoying the content, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, we are doing a giveaway. Head to our Facebook page, 3DMs Podcast, and we are going to give away a book to two lucky people. Uh, if we, we have liked when, our page. Yeah, when you get, uh, when you get to our page, like our page, when we get to 500 listeners, we are going to give away a book to two lucky followers on our facebook page so show up and give us a like give us a follow um uh, any dungeon dragons fifth edition book could be yours and to clarify because i have seen that there's a discrepancy between follows and likes this is specifically likes follows are not counting toward this giveaway but that being said we still do love follows we, we still love the follows but if you want to be entered into the giveaway you have to like the page yes it's true um, and apart from that, once you like, please send us messages about topics you want to hear um, talked about on the show. Send us anything D and D interesting you you know you find, and we will talk about it if we think it's good show content. Uh, we're really trying to grow here, and we want to grow with you. Okay, we we can't do this without you guys. There, you know, otherwise it's just three assholes sitting in a room talking. <laughs> Yeah, I just came to the crazy realization that we've Why, been doing you. this for like three months now. Uh, and well, we wouldn't I'm... have been able to continue it without, you know, the engagement of our listeners. Yeah, so we're on... continue to and engage, continue the like commenting. <laughs> uh, That's a great PBS voice, Paul. Mess- message, us our, or message us your homebrew stuff and we'll talk about it on the show. I yeah, mean, this or, is... or tune in uh, Sundays at 4 on our uh, Facebook page live because yep. uh, we love hearing comments. Oh, yeah. We love 100%. And the show is available in retrospect on our SoundCloud. If you look up three DMs, three spelled the old-fashioned way and not the number, SoundCloud, you and will find will... every single episode, including, I believe, the lost episode, episode oh, yes. two. <laughs> uh, we will also have our website up and running officially uh, on beautiful, delicious WordPress uh, tonight, or, tonight or tomorrow, yeah. 
perfect. I got to do some battle with Adobe Illustrator, but yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. All right, but guys, we've gone way over time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We love you. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. I'm Helen. And I'm Clint. Roll well this week, guys. We'll see you next week, and we can't wait to hear from you. Have a good night.